Good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. On this beautiful day, we're thanking God for the moisture. Amen. Amen. Down in town, there wasn't anything on the roads. I had a feeling when I came up here, it was going to be here waiting for us. And it is. So let's uh, lift up the name of Jesus. Whoa. There's like some high frequency feedback coming out. Maybe turn my mic down in the monitor a little. Very unpleasant. <laughs> All right, come on. Let's sing. All right, here we go. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day. Saints to reign, he arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose, amen. You know that this morning, he is risen, let's sing. Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus my Savior, vainly they seal the dead, Jesus my Lord, sing it. Oh.
the back doors there. Thank you.
Good morning and welcome to Rimrock. We're happy to have you with us. I've got a long old list today of announcements, so I'm going to get them in front of me. All right. I'm Jeannie. I work on the staff, and it is my joy to be here with you today. If you've been here for the 40 plus years that Rimrock has, we're thrilled you're here. If this is your first Sunday, we're delighted you're with us. If you're online, we're glad to have you. Uh, if you are new or just have not connected with us or ever received an email or information from us, there are um, connection cards in the backs of most seats in front of you. We'd love for you to fill one out and take it to the welcome counter. You'll get an email from me if you do that. Um, we have a fundraiser today. Between services, the youth group is serving uh, walking tacos. I highly recommend it. Between services and after second service, they will have a dessert auction. And I got to tell you, the desserts, always really good. All right. So we are starting a new sermon series in the book of Mark. And the center of your uh, bulletin can just come out and tuck right into your Bible. It's got the reading schedule on the front. And on the inside, you can see that the pastors are going to be doing some question and answer around the Gospel of Mark. So there's an email there, questions at rimrockchurch.com. You're welcome to email your questions about Mark to the pastors. There are some resources listed as well. Uh, I would recommend, um, in addition to your reading, um, for me personally, I have found that audio Bibles really um, help me to kind of marinate in the scripture. Perfect for when we're driving in the car or walking around the block, exercising in a variety of other ways. And there are a few listed in the resources my personal favorite is a paid subscription for Dwell Bible app. Um, and then you'll also find some background information on the Gospel of Mark. On the very back of your bulletin, there's a sign-up sheet for volunteering at VBS. VBS is coming up early in June, and we'd love to just have a lot of volunteers here to love and share God's love with the children that will be coming. All right. Vacation Bible School, VBS, Vacation Bible School. Thanks for the reminder, Mark, or Tom. I appreciate that. All right. 
Uh, I do want you to know that at the end of each service, we do have elders that will be in the front corners. If you want somebody to pray with, they'd be happy to pray with you. And let's go ahead and open our service with prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. We thank you that we have everything we need for today. We ask you to bless us as a community and help us during this time together to love the people around us well and to learn to love you more and more every day. We love you and we praise you. Amen. book of Psalms, it says, sing to the Lord a new song, and some of you will have heard this, but we want to introduce it today, and just lift it up, it says, I just want to speak the name of Jesus, over every heart and every mind, because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus.
700 years ago, you told Isaiah the prophet exactly how you were going to suffer every detail on the cross, being rejected by men, being a person who is familiar with sorrow and pain, God. And as we experience sorrow and pain, your word says that you completely identify with that. You have experienced it. And for every heart that's hurting in this place this morning and listening online, God. You know you are very well acquainted with pain 
and rejection. And yet you have conquered it, God. You rose, Jesus. And now you live within us. Everyone who's surrendered their hearts to you, God. We just ask you to anoint Ben's speech as he comes up here this morning, God. Every word that you would anoint it, that you would speak to us, God, that you would set us a little more free this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today's a good day. Believe it? Do you know for us as Christians, resurrection isn't just one Sunday a year. Every day is resurrection for us in Jesus Christ. So it's a good day. Well, uh, I hope you can uh, stay uh, to uh, have the lunch. Uh, there was uh, 16 junior high boys in this, locked in this church last night. So if it smells a little funny, <laughs> you know why. I don't think they were in this room, so we can't blame it on them. But it's good. God is good. So we're uh, going to begin a, a new series in the Gospel of Mark, as, as Jeannie uh, stated. And uh, I'm so excited because, you know, we spent three, uh, four Sundays in Hebrews chapter 12 saying, fix your eyes on Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. And we uh, kind of walked through that struggle with sin and how we throw off uh, the sin that so easily entangles. But we're going to spend the next 18 weeks looking at Jesus. We're going to look at who he is and who he revealed himself to be in the Gospel of Mark. And as Jeannie mentioned, there's an a insert in your bulletin that has a little bit of background information there. Uh, we won't have time to cover all of that, but it's, it, this, is a, this is a really important gospel uh, for us as Christians. Um, instead of a study guide, uh, as a preaching team, we decided to do something a little different. Um, we want to encourage you guys over the summer, over this 18-week period, to read through the gospel on your own. Um, I, I believe in preaching. I think God uses preaching. But there's something about uh, personally taking time to, to read the Word of God. It might be with your family. It might be with a small group of other people, a group of friends. But it may be just by yourself. And what we'd like to do is invite you to, to read. And if, you, if there are questions that come up, um, as a preaching team, you would bless us to help us know what are the questions, what are the things that you're wrestling with in the gospel. And so periodically through this series, um, we're going to invite you to one of our preaching team meetings where we're going to bring a camera and we're going to interact with the questions that you have and discuss those, those questions as a preaching team. And, uh, and that way throughout this time we'll be able to interact with the questions you have and be able to share the things that we're, we're, we're learning as we go through the gospel as well. So we're going to try it, and uh, let's, see, let's see how it goes. I hope, and my prayer is that God will, will use this and his word in all of our lives as we open our eyes and fix them on Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we feel and believe that your presence is here with us. Maybe we don't feel it, but we believe it because you said, Jesus, that you would leave your spirit with us to the very end of the age. You would not leave us alone. And you know the, the battles, the struggles, the temptations, the weariness, or the excitement, or the joys of everyone in this room. And Holy Spirit, you have the power and the way of speaking into each of our lives, of moving in our lives, and opening our hearts and our lives to what you want to say to one, each one of us. So God, we, we yield to you, we submit to your word, to your spirit, to your purposes 
for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, up on the screen, um, I'm gonna, I have a little graphic, a, a circle. I think Levi's going to get that in. Um, this is a, kind of our discipleship strategy here at Rimrock Church. And I just want to take time to, to show this to you. And I think today, uh, Donovan, you're leading a membership community, membership invitation to community group. So anyone who desires to become a, a member, we invite them to go deeper into what this means. And God kind of brought this to us um, as, as elders in a, in a retreat we had, uh, just asking God, what does it mean to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That was Jesus' last words to his disciples, go to all the world and make disciples. And so we were asking God, what does it mean for us to make disciples? And the reason I'm showing you this is one of the primary themes of the Gospel of Mark is discipleship. It's discipleship. And, uh, and, and this, cir this circles really represent what Jesus summed up all of uh, what the Word of God teaches, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, mind. We were designed and created by God to be lovers of Him above everything else. And so at the very center of that circle is an invitation to love God. And God reveals Himself as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to see that in the text of chapter 1 of Mark this morning. And we believe that discipleship is really about relationship. Relationship with God and that relation with God has a, a powerful ripple effect of transformation into every other relationship we have. Whether you're married or you're single or you have kids or you have close friends or you have groups of friends or if you're gathered here like this morning with us in these relationships in the church and in the world if you go to your job, everywhere that you are, God has called you to be an agent of blessing, the agent of transformation, an agent of grace. You are part of God's purpose of bringing transformation to this world. And so just I want to show you this as we think about as a church, what does discipleship mean and how does God bring about transformation in every aspect of our lives, but primarily in our relationships. And so I wanted to show you that, um, that, that picture for us as we go through this series of the Gospel of Mark at Rimrock Church. We believe that God is inviting us first and foremost to himself. Uh, church should, the, the center should never just be what our, we do on Sunday mornings. The focus isn't just religious activity. It's God himself. <laughs> that, that is the source of life. He is life. He is everything. And so he must become the center of who we are as a church. And he must become the center of who we are as individuals and in our families and every aspect of who we are. And so be looking for clues of that as we go through uh, the Gospel of Mark. Now, I just want to say there's a bunch of information in the background before we read out of the Scripture this morning. I just want to say Mark... Um, was a, was a special uh, person who God called to be his follower um, in the early church. So he shows up in Acts. His, his parents hosted a church gathering in their homes. And we know that, that Peter was kind of leading that, that church. And so he would have been close to the apostle Peter. And we have strong evidence that the, the, this gospel account comes directly from the apostle Peter. So Peter is an eyewitness of the events of Christ. Now, 
This was probably written 30, 40 years after Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven. And this is the first gospel account that's written. So the churches were gathering, they were worshiping, and Paul's letters were being circulated. So all of Paul's letters were being circulated in the churches. And what you notice in Paul's letters, he assumes that the people in the churches know about the story of Jesus. And they know the teachings of Jesus. And that, that's, um, in every aspect of Paul's letters, you see that reality, that knowledge. But the churches were growing. <laughs> and, and they were expanding into new places, new cultures. And not everyone knew an apostle Personally, not everyone knew, had Peter's cell phone number <laughs> to call him up and say, Hey, Peter, did Jesus, did this really happen? Did Jesus really say this, right? And so the church was, was growing, and so there became a need to write down the teachings and what happened. What, what did Jesus do? What did he say? How did he live? What, what, did, what did he accomplish? And so Peter had Mark write down this account. Now this is the first of four Gospels. Matthew, Luke, and John also write accounts of Jesus, but Mark is the first. And Mark was primarily probably writing in Rome, primarily thinking of the Gentile Christians. So Christians who uh, hadn't grown up Jewish but were now followers of Jesus, and he wanted to explain to them the significance of the Jesus story and who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. So let's stand and read. We're going to read the first 13 verses. We stand in honor and respect of God's word. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. This is Mark's title for the whole gospel. This is his title and he's telling us why he's writing. And the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. You may be seated. So you're going to notice as we go through the Gospel of Mark, um, I think a little bit of Peter's personality comes here. He, he moves quick. <laughs> and the word immediately and soon happens a lot in this account. And so we're going to see a quick, to-the-point picture of who Jesus is. He begins by saying, in the beginning, and, and for a Jude Jewish audience, they immediately would have thought of what? Genesis chapter 1. 
in the beginning God created. And so Mark is intentionally tying this story of Jesus with God's story. God's story of creation at the very beginning. But it's also hinting at something very powerful. If, as we go through the Gospel of Mark and we come to the very end, we're going to see that there is no ending to the Gospel of Mark. It ends abruptly. And as, Paul, or as Mark writes this, he's telling us that the story of Jesus is only beginning. <laughs> that even though Jesus has ascended, that the story of Jesus continues in Mark's lifetime and to the Christians throughout the Roman Empire and for us today that the presence and the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit continues. Mark doesn't have an ending. The, God, the Acts, the book of Acts doesn't have an ending, meaning that the work of God is ongoing. <laughs> it's continuing. And the tense he uses is that this isn't a past tense story. This is a present tense story in that Jesus is working today. He is revealing himself today. And so this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus and who he is as the Messiah. This was a, a messianic term saying the anointed one, speaking of Jesus as a king. Only kings are anointed. Only kings are called Messiah. And so Jesus, he says, is a king. And then he says, the son of God. Now, in the first century, an audience would have heard this and they would have gasped at that phrase. Because in the first century, there only one person claimed to be the Son of God, and it was Caesar of the Roman Empire. Remember, he's writing from Rome to a Gentile audience. And in the Roman thinking, the pantheon of God, Caesar, was a representation of the gods. And so Mark makes a bold claim. Caesar is not God. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the king he is the Messiah. As you can imagine, for first century Christians, this was a scandalous declaration. And he would have written this gospel in the time of Nero, the Caesar who decided that there should be no competition to his throne. And so he began to kill Christians and burn them and destroy their homes and their businesses and persecute Christians. And so this gospel is written in the context of suffering, persecution, for saying that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God. Praise God that we have freedom to sing that, declare that this morning. Like there's no police officers coming in here this morning to drag us into jail, but this morning there, there are people in North Korea gathered to worship Jesus. And North Korean leader declares that he is God, and so if they declare Jesus is God, they're in danger. And this morning there are Christians being dragged to prison in North Korea and places around the world for declaring that Jesus is God. Like, that's sobering, right? <laughs> Would we be willing to come here this morning to declare this truth if we knew that our livelihoods and our families and everything would be endangered by declaring and believing this truth? And so Mark boldly declares it. But he tells us something else, verse 2, as written in the Isaiah, the prophet. And so remember, for Gentiles who, who didn't know the, the whole story of the Old Testament, of the prophets and of the law and everything, he's telling us that, that Jesus didn't just appear out of nowhere. Like, this is an 
old story. This is a, a story that goes to the very beginning of creation and that this God is a God of history rooted in the work of, of his people in Israel. That God chose a particular people, a particular story to reveal himself. And so our belief in Jesus is not divorced from the revelation that God revealed himself to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and that he is the God of Moses who liberated the people out of Egypt, out of slavery and brought them into the promised land. As we read in Judges where he raised up judges and he raised up prophets to reveal who he is to the world, to reveal the good news that he is a God who redeems and saves and delivers. And it's this God that Mark says, Jesus is. So this is Jesus, Israel's Messiah. And this is important for us. We cannot divorce who Jesus is from the reality of God revealed in the Old Testament. This is so important for us, brothers and sisters. This is why at Rimrock Church we preach from the Old Testament as well. I got to tell you, there are some very well-known preachers here in America with some of the largest churches who, who have said they want to divorce Jesus from the Old Testament. And they're, they're, in a sense, they're ashamed to even talk about the Old Testament. And they, they seek to unhinge the gospel from the Old Testament. That is wrong. That is wrong. Mark says this story of Jesus is rooted in the story of Israel's story. That God is the God of Israel. And he's revealed himself through the prophets and through the law. And that Jesus is a fulfillment of all of that. And so if we want to understand who God is, who Jesus is, we must understand that this is a, a, a long story. This is a story from the very beginning in all of human history that God has been involved in human history. He's not been distant or absent. He's been involved in revealing himself in history. And so then John the Baptist appears, right? And, and, and for us, we think, why, does, why John? Why does he appear? Now, we have to understand that John the Baptist is part of that story of Israel, of the prophets. In fact, we could say that John the Baptist is the final Old Testament prophet. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to us through the prophets, but today he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. But John the Baptist is the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the way that God reveals himself through the prophets. And so when we see the life of John the Baptist, it feels strange, right? He wears rough clothing. He, he's out in the desert, and he's, he's uh, eating honey and locusts. But he's preaching a message that the prophets preached. It's consistent with Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Elijah. In fact, John the Baptist, it was... Um, prophesied that there would be a prophet like Elijah. Malachi tells us, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple, meaning God will come to his people. His purpose, his story will be fulfilled in the Old Testament. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And so the prophetic office of the Old Testament was pointing to the reality of God and pointing to the story of God and that God was going to reveal himself completely through a Messiah. And Malachi ends, this is the, the, the last verse of the Old Testament, Behold, I will send you Elijah 
the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. A prophet like Elijah. And so Mark says, look at John the Baptist. He's a prophet like Elijah. He's a prophet like the Old Testament prophets preaching repentance, the forgiveness of sins, a warning of the judgment of God. And so then Jesus shows up at the scene. <laughs> and even this morning as we were getting ready to come out, someone asked, you know, why did Jesus need to be baptized? And I think there's a reason that's very important. It's, it's revealing, it's a revelation of God's glory and our story. And so Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah, the King, but he reveals himself as the Son of God, but also fully man. He became one of us. In John chapter 1, it says the Word became flesh. And so what we're discovering here is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He comes as God, and he comes as man. And so he's not baptized as a sinner like we are, but he's baptized as God. Even John recognizes he's not worthy to untie his sandals. John recognizes this is the one. This is why I exist. I exist for his glory. He is the son of God. In another gospel, it says that John says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so Jesus identifies with us in baptism. So Last Friday, we baptized seven people. And those seven people were identifying themselves with Jesus. But Jesus first identifies with us. <laughs> he takes the first step of redemption, of forgiveness, of resurrection. So baptism is a picture of death and resurrection. God is doing something new. He's taking the old, the broken, the sinful, the death of this world, and he's bringing life. He's resurrecting. He's bringing hope. He's bringing truth. He's bringing grace. He's bringing a new reality to the human story. And so this picture of Jesus being baptized is a picture of God's glory. As Moses was on the mountain of Mount Sinai, he said to God, God, show me your name. Show me your glory. And God said, I can't. I have to hide it. It's too great. I'm too good. I'm too glorious. And so this picture of the baptism is, is a Mount Sinai event. But now God is revealing his glory. He's revealing his goodness so we can actually see who he is. My brothers and sisters, this is the, this is the most glorious moment in all of human history. Jesus is revealing who God is. His purpose and his character, his purpose is to redeem. His purpose is to save. That's why he got baptized, because he wanted to show that he was willing to go to death. And he was willing to come to life to save us from our sin. He's showing the purpose of God to save and to deliver and to rescue us. But we also see the character of God. We see the love of God in this baptism account. Because it says, as he came out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and so the separation between man and God and if you know the story that in the garden of Eden there became a separation a division between God and man and we were never intended to live without God God was always always meant for us to live in communion with him and fellowship with him in deep relationship with him 
but that separation needed to be fixed. And so that separation in heaven and earth that is being torn later in the gospel, we hear that the curtain in the temple is torn. And so that separation is being destroyed. That division is being torn down, just kind of like the Berlin Wall. Remember that when the Berlin Wall was torn down and people celebrated and said, finally, we are free. This is a moment of freedom because God is coming near and men can come into the presence of God and the glory of God is being revealed as Trinity. What do we see? We see the Father, His voice coming from heaven. We see Jesus, the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit descending like the dove. You see this moment? He's revealing His glory as Trinity. Three persons, one God. This is, this is a glorious truth that, that is found throughout the Old Testament, but now is being fully revealed. God is revealing his full glory to the world. And so this is a moment. And I love what Martin Luther said. This is the highest sermon that's ever been preached. This is the highest sermon that's ever been preached. And listen to what... God is saying, this is my son whom I love. And so we're discovering that God as Trinity is the essence of love. John later says, God is love. And so we know God is love because he is perfectly three persons in perfect unity and perfect love and perfect sacrifice and perfectly glorifying one another in all of perfection. And so there's, there's perfect harmony and there's perfect acceptance and there's, there's no need to strive and achieve that there's, there's real love in the presence of God. And my brothers and sisters, I look in myself and this is what I long for more than anything else. Every person I've ever met longs for this. And God is opening his heart to us saying, this is who I am, I am love, I am acceptance, and I am pleased and I want you to share in my glory. Do you hear that? <laughs> Do you hear that sermon? Do you see it? Jesus is revealing it to us. There's something very powerful taking place here in that God is revealing his glory and his purpose, his character, and his nature as Trinity. For us as Christians, this is the bedrock of our faith. So what, what holds us together as a church, as a people? It, it's not that we have everything in common. It's not that we necessarily even always like each other a lot. We have so many different um, personalities and people and backgrounds and experiences. But, but what brings us together Jesus. You're right, Darcy. It's God and who God is. He makes community and fellowship and relationship possible. And so what we believe is rooted in who God is. Um, so the early church developed creeds, statements that they would use in their worship and they would repeat over and over to remind um, ourselves what we, we believe and what we, we hold to and what God has revealed himself to be. And so here at the, in our church at Rimrock, we have uh, three statements about God. And so our faith is rooted in this and our unity is rooted in this reality that comes right from the gospel that is revealed in the scripture. So we believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, eternally existing, in loving unity of three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself, to make all things new for his glory. 
Do you see where that statement comes from? It comes from this text. <laughs> what, what do we see here? We see God revealing himself as Trinity, but we also see his character and his purpose to redeem. That's why he got baptized, to, to, to put to death the old and bring new life, new reality, new hope, that the human story does not end in death, <laughs> but life. That's why Jesus came, to show us that, that history is not marked by war, but by redemption, transformation, new life, new people, because this is who God is and this is what he's doing. We believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, fully God and fully man, one person in two natures. Jesus, Israel's promised Messiah. So, so we believe in a Jesus of history who's involved in Israel's history. He was conceived through the Holy Spirit and born in the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. As our high priest and advocate. I'm so glad I have an advocate. Someone who's all-powerful, who's for me, who's for you. Isn't that good news? Who God is. And we believe in the Holy Spirit and all that he does. He glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of its guilt. He regenerates sinners. And in him they are baptized into union with Christ. And so, so Jesus was baptized not as a sinner, but to identify with us. We are baptized as sinners into him, into his family, into this new identity. And we're adopted as heirs in the family of God. And he indwells and he illuminates and he guides and he equips and powers believers for Christ-like living and service. And so this is what John said. He says, right now you're, you're being baptized with water, but a day is coming when the Messiah, the Lord of all, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, we practice water baptism, but, but it goes much deeper in that God is dwelling with us, his people. And he's working in us and through us for his glory. Here in Mark it ends saying, after he was baptized, he went out into the wilderness. And I think this is important. I don't want to miss this point because we believe Jesus is fully God, but we also believe he's fully man. And so to be fully man, he had to experience suffering, hardship, difficulty. I mean, is there anyone here who hasn't experienced hardship and suffering and difficulty? That, that's to be human, right? And God became one of us. He experienced what we experience, hunger, thirst, uncertainty, difficulty, temptation. It says he was tempted by Satan. That's, that's the human experience and the curse that, that we have an enemy who accuses us. That's, that's why we wake up in the morning and think, well, I'm no good. I, I have nothing to offer. No, like, we, we have these doubts, these struggles. And Jesus experienced that like us. He became fully human. But I think there's another part of this that's really important for us to understand. That Jesus is telling us that Faith in him, to believe in him, to receive him, also means that we will struggle. It says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. So, so to follow Jesus isn't to be delivered from all hardship. There is wilderness in the Christian 
life and the Christian faith and the Christian experience. And, and that should bring us comfort that there's not something wrong with us when we struggle. Jesus is saying this is, this is part of the cost of discipleship. I started this morning by saying one of the major themes of Mark is that is discipleship. To, to, to believe and to, to trust who Jesus is and who God is, there is a cost and there is a, a struggle and there is a, a battle. And so, so Jesus is showing us that to be a follower of his, to be like him, means that we will struggle and there will be a cost and there will be a battle. Luke chapter th- 13, I want to invite the worship team to come on up as we conclude our time here. But in Luke chapter 13, Jesus says something very interesting. And this is, this is, I know this is coming out of Luke, but this is a major theme in the gospel of Mark. And this is what Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay a foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will really ridicule you and saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or, suppose a king is about to go out to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the others are still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Think about that. So, so Jesus is saying, this isn't just a, an emotional feel-good response to who he is. He's saying, consider, consider who I am. Consider my, my, my uh, statement that, that I am the Messiah, the, the Son of God, and who I am as, as God as Trinity to redeem and to save and, and all these things. But he says, if, if you're going to come after me, there, there's a cost. There's a way of living that's going to be, be different. It's going to require something of you. And, and just like that, that graph I showed you at the very center, I think what Jesus is saying, he says, if you do not empty yourself in your primary love of everything and have me at the very center, he says, you cannot be my disciple. You see, G- Jesus, he says, you're either with me or you're against me. This is, a, this is a strong word. He says, salt is good, but it loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile it's thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So here's what I want to end with this question. Will you accept and believe who Jesus is as Lord and Messiah? That he is fully God and fully man and he came for the purpose to redeem and to save and to deliver us. I I can't make that decision for you. No one can. Each one of us must come to that point of decision and and, and this gospel begins right away. It doesn't doesn't ease us into it, right? It doesn't ease us. It, It begins right up front saying, this is who I am. This is my glory. And will you come to me? And we're gonna see throughout this whole gospel Every person Jesus encounters has to grapple with that. Do I accept him? Do I receive him? Or do I reject him? And if we do receive him for who he says he is, then will we be willing to count the cost and become a disciple, a follower, apprentice of Jesus in his way? 
He gives us everything we need. And I love in this wilderness story, it says, even though he is being tempted, God was providing for him. There were angels attending him. And this is what I've discovered in the Christian life. It's hard sometimes. <laughs> it's a struggle. But God is there, and he meets us, and he pr provides for us. And I know he will do that for each of us. Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord, thank you for this day. As we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Lord, we don't want to just blindly be disciples. We want to understand what it means to be your disciple. We want to understand the cost, but we also want to understand the glory and the promise of it, Lord, that we would be called children of God, that as you said from heaven over Jesus, this is my son, as it says in Romans 8, that in the Holy Spirit, that we too are called children of God, co-heirs with Christ, that the very same spirit who resurrected Jesus from the dead now lives in us. I pray that truth would grip us. So Lord, we entrust our lives to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you stand with me to sing this moment? I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name, your name is power
Wednesday is our last Wednesday night, so come join us. God bless you.